All right, we're back with another Q&A roulette. Creator Generation joined by our resident creator, Phoebe. Hello. And, <laughs> well, Brainiac. Fred, <laughs> let's go with that. Hello. No, no, it's just a big head. Maybe it's hopefully it's full, full of YouTube knowledge. But this, um, before Fred gets his bar back at me, I'll just keep going with the intro. This is where we get a bunch of questions, slap them on a wheel, spin it, and I ask these guys their expert opinion, advice, whatever legally we're allowed to say. <laughs> um, we've changed the rules. It used to be any old question from all these workshops and, and creator programs and the creator generation discord that we are lucky enough to run all over the world, really. But still got the questions, but I've grouped them. I've made a mini wheel. This wheel is about making money. And YouTube monetization, <laughs> making money as a creator. Um, so that's what I've done. I've changed it. I like it. We did it last time. Mm. Um, we're going to keep going with it unless someone tells me otherwise. So, rock and roll. I'm going to spin the wheel and ask a question. Um, and let's, let's do this. Let's spin it. Big spin. All right. Huh. What's that? <laughs> this is a really good one. Um What's the best first way to make money from YouTube? Like gateway money? <laughs> gateway money. What's your gateway? What's your gateway? Gateway, gateway cash. Gateway cash. <laughs> what's the what's the like what's the best first income stream from being a YouTube creator or, or from YouTube specifically or, or being a creator? Yeah. I think that question has to be qualified and do you mean what's the best way or what's the easiest first way to make cash on YouTube? Oh, because... I can't Unfortunately, I can't travel back in time to ask this person who submitted this question. So you get you get to decide whatever you want it. You you decide. I can tell you. What's the best first way to make money from YouTube? Well, I guess there's a couple of things to that. One is that if you are, you know, new to the platform and you're new to earning money on the platform, you've got to join the partner program in order to earn anything. So before you actually earn any revenue directly from the platform, Mm. um, that's like within the YouTube ecosystem, you need to be part of the partner program. You need to qualify by getting a certain amount of, I guess, um, viewership and, and, and subscriber numbers. So once that happens, you can, you know, set up advertising, which is probably the easiest first step um, for most creators who are new to the platform. That's not a lot of money. And for, actually for most creators all up, it's, it's, it's not a lot of money, but it is the easiest first step in, in setting that up, providing you, cross that threshold uh, required to, to join the program. I don't, I don't think it's the best, but it's, yeah. <laughs> it's the fastest. Yeah, yeah, this is true. I think from a creator's perspective, what I can offer you is some hard facts of life, friend. <laughs> it took awesome. me a hot minute to make any money off YouTube. So I think before I started, I thought it'd be super easy. I'd just chuck up a video and start making lots of money, but it takes time. And I think it depends on what your content is about and how your content best works to be monetized, you know, I guess I didn't realize that people monetize in so many different ways, but by doing the pod, I keep hearing about how different people monetize. So for me, it was brand deals were the easiest because brands came to me, they offered me money to do stuff. I did it. <laughs> I like it. So the easiest first way might be like AdSense. Hmm. Yeah. And then potentially, well, with Phoebe, your experience, the best first way was brand deals. There was actually yes. meaningful money. Yeah. Let's go with that as the <laughs> succinct. We should, wrap up. we should qualify and say it is going to be like as Phoebe has highlighted. It's going to be different for every creator. Yeah. Um, there are basically two sources of revenue, right? On you, I mean, two two broad categories, and that's like internal versus external. Internal mm-hmm. being 
all those aspects that YouTube provide you with, and it is actually the most comprehensive video platform for that. So there's a lot of great things there. Um, and then there's the external elements, which like Phoebe's talking about, which are things like you know brand deals, sponsorships, your own merch, that kind of thing as well. So you could technically, from day one, start using external sources. Um, but you know, at the end of the day, if you're trying to convince a brand or a sponsor to give you money, they want to see that you are able to do the job. So they will look at the channel and ensure you that they have enough or you have enough traction there. Mm-hmm. The old it depends. The old it depends. <laughs> My favorite. All right, let's spin up another one because we've got a few bunch more to get through. It's kind of related from you, Phoebe, from what you're talking about. Like, <laughs> when can I start charging brands for content? I, and, you know, I guess that's like how... The, the other way of asking that is people like, you know, like, how many subscribers or views do I need to be able to like ask for brand deals or yeah. accept brand deals? Oh, my gosh. Um, I'm sure Fred will have a technical answer. My answer is this. Uh, it's whenever you have the guts to ask for the money and whenever the brand <laughs> wants to give you the money. And those two things may not align. So it may be that you're like, I want to make a lot of money on YouTube today. And so you ask for a paid brand deal, but the brands you're asking for, they're not having a bar of it. <laughs> so it depends. <laughs> but my advice would be don't be afraid to, to ask. You just never know unless you ask. So just say, you know, I don't work under unpaid contracts. I don't work under contra arrangements. I, I only work under paid arrangements. And then every arrangement you have will be a paid one. Follow-up question before Fred jumps in. But like, how, like what sort of size channel did you have when, when you started yeah. Working with brand. Maybe. Do you know what? It was that they weren't paying us specifically for YouTube videos to start with. It was that we started with our blog. So they were paying us for the blog and we were just making the YouTube videos as well. So technically we were having these paid arrangements and the YouTube videos were an add-on. But the YouTube videos have gotten so good because Matt's so good at what he does that now that's what we get asked for. So I would say the first YouTube videos we got asked to make under paid arrangements would have been... It wouldn't be anything crazy. A few thousand subscribers, maybe. Nothing wild. <laughs> awesome. Mm. Frederico. Yeah, it's a really good perspective. I think that the main thing I'd add to that is you can start making money from brand deals and sponsorships pretty early on, mm. providing you can show value, right? You've got to be able to show value. Like every brand will value different things. Some like big numbers, some like, yes. you know, engagement. They're like all sorts of different things. So if you can show a brand that your audience whether it's a couple hundred people to a couple of thousand, a couple of million, um, align with what they want um, and that there's value there for them. I've seen like ultra small channels like get brand deals because the, the brands are mm-hmm. aligned. And everyone assumes like, oh, a brand is like this really big thing that gives a lot of money. But, you know, there are a lot of smaller brands out there that, that, that aren't huge and they have smaller budgets and they don't mind smaller loyal audiences. Yeah. Um, and you can show them a lot of value there. So don't think, oh, I have to go to like, you know, the ultra uber big um, corporation. There are yeah. lots of brands out there that are getting smarter and smarter about this. If you can give them a, um, a clear idea of how you build value and what the value is to them mm-hmm. and how it's sort of going to align with what they want, yeah, there's no reason why they, they can't get you a deal nice and early on. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Super. All right, let's spin up another one. Spinning, spin a winner. Here we go. It's still on brand and product stuff, but interesting. What do I do if I've been paid to promote a brand and I realize I don't like it or brand or product? Oh my God. Um, that's pretty, I wonder if this, like, I, I don't think this is a question we addressed in a, a live workshop, but 
man, that would have been cool to dig into, right? right. Like, um, do you think they mean they like they got the product and then they tried it and they didn't like it? Is that what we think that question means? I think so. Yeah. yeah. Or um, that's happened to me. Mm, yeah, <laughs> that has so. happened to me. <laughs> Spill. It's happened to me a couple of times. It's happened to me um, like with a physical product and it's happened to me mm. with travel, um, like going to a hotel and staying there and it was absolutely terrible. Um, so my, <laughs> I think that everyone's entitled to handle it however they want. Um, I'm running a business. <laughs> I don't want to burn every single bridge and have a really bad reputation. I'm not interested in like, I don't know, hanging people out to dry, naming and shaming. So the way I choose to handle it is I always go to the PR person or back to the brand first. And I say, hey, just want to let you know, this is my honest opinion of this hotel or this product or this food. It wasn't positive. This is what I thought. Um, I'm happy to publish that if that's what you want. Or we can just not publish anything. And that's up to you. I'll let you decide whether you want that out there or not. And so they decide. And they always decide they don't want it out there. Mm. Wow, so it's like it's going to be honest or not at all. It's going to be honest or not at all, and that's your tr- and that's up to you to decide. <laughs> so if I am well, going to put it out, I'm going to tell the truth. But if it's not out there, it's not out there. Yeah, I mean, we'd always advise creators that if they are looking at a product, just ask for a sample of the product first. Actually, a lot of good brands will send you a sample of of the product to ensure that you do like it. Um, if you're going to, you know, talk about it or have it or, or place it or it does depend. Obviously, it depends on the nature of the video too. Like if you're doing an honest review, you know, you should be honest with that. And, you know, if the, often the brand will then take or roll the dice and say, well, hopefully they like it and they'll do a good review. Yeah. But if it's something else and, they, they, you know, there's something that they want to promote or you're doing a, an integration with um, or an ad spot, yeah, you can definitely test it out, whether it's a bit of software like a VPN all the way down to a physical product. You do get – it does get more complicated – in like Phoebe's example, where you actually have to physically travel yeah. there, experience it, and then they've got to tell you what it's like. So I guess that caveat is before you start that you can honestly tell them, hey, look, um, if I don't like it, I will let you know, and then we can decide at, at that point uh, what we want to do going mm-hmm. forward. Um, but it may be because of like if travel's involved that there's a sort of no going back element, like they've paid for the travel, they've paid for the experience, mm-hmm. and then it's up to them whether or not they want that, that review to go ahead or not the review, but that integration to go yeah. ahead. Um, but yeah, I think being upfront is, is really important. Um, being communicative is really important. A lot of creators get very scared, like they don't want to upset the brand, but at the end of the day, it's, I think it's very important that you are, uh, loyal to that, your audience, mm-hmm. you connect with your audience, that authenticity is there. Um, otherwise they just sort of won't trust you. And it, it seems a little bit sort of removed. Um, it's, yeah, it's, it's just, I guess one of those things. I actually watched a, a video last night, um, uh, from Veritasium, where he talked about the origin of, of dandruff, um, which was super fascinating. Um, I thought it was an odd, an odd choice, but it was actually a really interesting video. But it was blatantly sponsored by Head and Shoulders, oh. right? <laughs> he actually started. In fact, you could see, I think he realized, like, it was so blatantly Head and Shoulders. He started, like, in the shower saying, Hey, this is sponsored <laughs> by Head and Shoulders. And he just immediately came out and told everybody what it was sponsored by. Um, but they did it in a way, as, you know, Derek Muller does, that's very disarming where he, t- he takes you through it. He just talks about the process. He just talked about the science behind it. And then he said, hey, I'm going to the, the Head & Shoulders lab and they're going to talk to us about the science of dandruff. And obviously you could see the people at Head & Shoulders were, were spruiking their, their, um, their uh, product. But he made a video that was good enough to people to see the ob- objectivity of where this thing came from. So you could decide whether you like the product, but at the same time really enjoy the video as well. And I thought that was, that was pretty smart. I think a, a big part of it too is the kind of content you create. 
I'm, I don't review stuff. I just share tips or whatever. But like if you're a, let's say you're a beauty vlogger, it's expected that a brand, that brands understand how that relationship works, right? They send you the lipstick. They know you're going to try it. You're going to love it or hate it. And you're going to share that review. I'm not really a reviewer. So definitely the kind mm. of content mm. you create factors into it. But always negotiate your stuff up front. <laughs> always. If you're a person that's creating a reaction style video, then you're going to tell them this is what it's going to be. I'm not going to send it to you. It's going to go up as it is. I like it or I don't. And I'm going to tell the truth. I agree. Yeah. All right. Let's spin her up. Okay. This is a question where they like, hopefully we can answer it succinctly. But what are, like, how, how do you make money as a YouTube creator? Like, it, it prefaced with, I know you can get ad revenue mm -hmm. but that and they know that's not it and they, uh, so it's a long-winded question around around that but essentially boils down to what else is there this is the question i get asked the most everyone's like hey what do you do yeah. and i tell them i go they everyone has a different way some people are more polite about it and some people just come out and go how do you make money doing that how are you making the money mm -hmm. um so we do it a few different ways um obviously AdSense. <laughs> um, we have affiliate links, obviously things like hotels and activities that we recommend. People book those. Um, we do earn a small amount of money from, uh, what is it? The When they say thank you, when they send you the money on the video, the thanks. <laughs> Super chat, Super is thanks. that the thing? Super thanks, that's it. Super, Super thanks. thanks. Um, brand deals are a really big one. That is our biggest, that's the biggest paydays that we get is through the brand deals. But the secret to that is Matt is such a good videographer that we don't just make money by making videos for our channel. Brands will often hire us to make it for our channel and then make smaller cut downs of those, like 15, 30 second cut downs of a destination that that brand can use as advertising on Instagram, TikTok, etc. So that's where the big money for us comes from. Um, and then there's some other things like we sell dresses and stuff in our shop that I wear in the videos. And I'm sure there's more and I can't think of them all. <laughs> There's a lot, There's a right? Lot. It's diverse. Yeah, it's diverse. It's diversified. But, um, yeah, cool. Fred, how do we answer this? Like, there's a lot of different ways. Yeah, 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 yeah. There, there, so, so, uh, it used to be, like, you know, many years ago that people were just like, when they asked, you know, how do you make money? It was like, the question was like, how is it possible yeah. to make money as a creator? And I think people now have established that there are distinctly ways you can make money. So now when people ask, how do you make money? They're, I think, more interested in, in the different revenue streams specifically. It depends who you're and asking. There are... <laughs> it depends who's yeah. asking. <laughs> well, yeah. you're right. There are still some people who don't understand it. Uh, but look, there are hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of ways to make it. And I, I don't want that to... I'm not saying that just to, to be flippant, but um, it genuinely varies depending on the creator. And as like Phoebe pointed out, there's some very specific mm -hmm. elements that are unique to creators within certain categories like travel creators, but even within travel, like, you know, so some travel creators will make money just from the videos they put up in sponsorship deals and, and ad revenue. Um, whereas Phoebe, you know, they also make another revenue stream from doing things like uh, blogging and also those cut down versions as little promos as well, which is fantastic, you know, because that creates a, a relationship with the client and then keep them coming back to you. And, and that, that could be very valuable. So, um, what we'd always recommend is one, look at your sort of category and the type of creator you are and what makes the most sense to you. Yes, there are some core elements of revenue that seem to be popular amongst most creators, YouTube ad revenue, for example, brand deals. Those are, are generally very popular amongst all creators. And then there are some very specific ones that will change depending on the type of creator you are, like an education focused creator, an explainer based creator might be able to sell a course online. 
Um, whereas, you know, someone like uh, Phoebe and her channel might be able to, to do like videography stuff for, for the brand given that. Um, also, like Phoebe's channel, for example, would be collecting a lot of extremely good B-roll from different locations around the world. They could sell that on license yes. going forward as well. There are all sorts of elements around it. But uh, most creators, what we find, will tend to focus on one or two, and that will be like YouTube ad revenue and the brand deals. Whereas what you should really be looking at is diversifying that out and really trying to understand what works for you. Um, and doing it in a very structured way, not trying to cover everything at once, but doing those core things first and then testing one or two extra at a time. And once you've got that mixed together, you really sort of nail that and make that as good as possible so you have this nice diversified uh, revenue group. Um, so if one you know runs into a bit of trouble, like you lose a brand deal every now and then, you've got the other three or four to prop you up uh, during a hard time. Super. I don't even know if I answered the question. I can't even remember what the question was specifically, but that's the, 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 oh, the approach to YouTube revenue. And you just went on. <laughs> oh, it's, 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 it's uh, yellow. Is it yellow? No, I just looking ah. at the picture behind you, your naked Sexy, husband. Naked like, Matt yellow, in so. the background. That's your favorite color. Your naked Matt in the background. <laughs> <laughs> naked Matt is your favorite Ooh. color. That's a whole <laughs> nother episode. Um, <laughs> wow. Um, I'll spin the wheel before I start talking any more about other random stuff. Let's spin her up. This is going to have to be the last question. Oh, yeah, totally. Yeah. All right. Before I... Foot in the mouth. Any more time? All right. Oh, when should I think about getting a manager? Uh, yeah, this is interesting. You're like, do you need a manager? Or when do you need a manager? Oh, that is a good question. I've thought about getting a manager over the years because I don't know. Sometimes it's a lot of work. You've got so much going on. It'd be really great to have somebody else out there bringing the work to you. But a couple of things. Um, I don't earn enough money to employ a manager and or employ any staff at all. And even if a manager took a cut of my pay, then they were still taking some of that money away from me. So the way my business is working at the moment, it's fine. If a manager relationship kind of popped up, I would absolutely do it. But at the size we're at and the way work is coming to us, we just don't do it. That's a very honest answer. I hope that's okay. <laughs> honest is good. No, it's a good one. Yeah. I think with the, with the manager element, um, it, it does vary because different managers will, will do different things. Um, and people get confused between managers and agents and stuff. And I think even agents and managers get, get confused about those roles. But um, generally speaking, um, if a, a manager or an agent came to you and what they were performing was additive um, and they were going to take a lot of um, effort away from you and can scale mm -hmm. that part of your business – um, then it's worth looking at. So, for example, a lot of creators will say, well, I don't like paying that 10, 15, 20, whatever percentage is wherever you are in the world. Um, but, um, for example, if you were doing only three deals a year at $1,000 yourself, but a manager can bring you 10 deals a year um, and take that cut, it might be much better to do that, you know, the 10 deals a year that are all managed for you uh, because not only are you getting more revenue from that, yes, they are taking a cut, but you also are able to focus on more of the stuff you're yep. good at and let somebody else handle that for you. At what stage? That will vary. Um, uh, you know, we're in some parts of the world, we see creators who are, you know, fairly small, get managers really early on, um, and that's the custom. And there are some other parts where, you know, they, they wait for ages to, to do that. But it has to make sense to you. Generally, if that person, like I said, is additive, they're helping you grow your business and taking away extra effort from you so you can focus on what you're good at. Um, and you're um, growing that over time, that's great. And what I'd always recommend too for managers is that there's a trial period where you can see how it is to work with them um, and also lots of flexibility. They don't lock you into anything. You can work with other people if you want. Um, you know the rate. They're very, uh, they're very open and transparent about that. Like Those are the things I, I recommend. Don't ever yeah. get locked into a long-term deal where you don't have any flexibility. 
Good answer. Crushed it. Absolutely right. crushed it. Yeah, I do find that there seems to be this sort of cultural shift at the moment where people think that you do, like that's that's an objective, like to get one, to be managed or an a- agent. It's like you've made it, someone. And I think sometimes yeah, right. it might feel like, oh, someone's noticed yeah, me. Yeah, right. A good agent, good manager can be brilliant. They also can get in the way because yes. they've got to make mm. their cut. So if yep. some opportunities are good for growth and good for the channel, but they're not good for yep. certain types of managers, a certain type of manager that they're good for because they're your growth and long-term partnership, that's yep. the needle in the haystack, I think. But yeah. Yeah. That's a really yeah. excellent point because, you know, there are some managers out there who literally they only want to earn their percentage. So if they, um, if they don't get that from a deal, even though that deal could be really good for the creator, um, they'll just ignore it and won't pass it on. And like, that's where, you know, you've got to be really careful about what it, what it is that what they're doing. And one thing I'd like to add, I have a couple of clients who specifically come back to Matt and I because we don't have a manager. So um, <laughs> one, yeah, one, one woman in particular, she always, she will call me and it's me that answers the phone. It's me she talks to. And she says, that's why we only work with you. She says, I am tired of going through managers and it's so she says, so intense and it just takes up so much of my time. I call you, you answer the phone. I know I can trust you. I know you're going to get it done. So something to factor in, I guess. Yeah. And and look, yeah, the, there, there are managers that we have issues with and like they are, the gatekeeping element is, is very heavy. Mm-hmm. And in fact, because it's been so hard to deal with them, often yeah. when an opportunity comes up, we'd rather deal with other creators and they just won't get the opportunity. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it's, it's hard to sometimes tell the creator that, but, you know, we try to... M- make that evident and hopefully the critic can see that but yeah if they're basically blocking a lot of opportunities yeah that could be problematic so you know you'd want some flex like i said flexibility visibility maybe a, a policy that whatever query comes in the door you always get a copy of whether it goes to your manager or not so you can at least see what's going on like we offer our creditors we, we work with in that sense like they'll always see whatever deal comes in regardless mm-hmm. of how we respond to it That's a good idea. um because they, they should have that that availability and, and and access and sometimes we'll look at it and it, you know there's yeah it doesn't make any sense for us to be involved, but we'll pass that on to the credits. At least they can take advantage of that good opportunity rather than say, hey, no, we, there's nothing in it for us, so why would the credit, why would the credit get it? Mm. With that note, we're done. We're done here. Done. We're, we, we out. We're out. Yeah, hey, thanks, guys. Always fun to hang out. If, um, if uh, our listeners, if you guys, the creators, you got any questions, you want to come hang out with other creators, come hang out with us. On the Creator Generation Discord, get your question answered. And also, if we've got more context we need to follow up, we can do that on there rather than me just <laughs> reading one line of a question and Fred or Phoebe not knowing what else is going on. So we can get to the get to the meat and, meat and potatoes of it. But um, until next week, bye. Bye. Creator Generation, on the mic.